If you remember last week, we began putting on trial the doctrine of universal reconciliation. I was surprised to see that there were some people who were happy that I was covering that subject because let's face it, it's a complicated subject. And it's complicated and even confusing sometimes. So I'll be frank with you. When I first heard about universal reconciliation, I thought it was abhorrent. I thought, let's face it, the Bible talks about hell. Bible talks about the lake of fire, the lake of fire and brimstone and that God is a consuming fire. And, and it's a scary thing. So when I found out that there were people saying things like the salvation of all and universal reconciliation, I reacted like everybody reacts. That's not right. Away with such nonsense as that. And then I did something which I think most people would not do. I asked a question. I asked myself, why are they saying that? Where are they getting this? Is this coming from a King James Bible? And then a thought occurred to me, man, wouldn't it be great if that was true? That's what I thought, because think about the implications of that. We all have loved ones who've died, grandmothers, grandfathers that we thought were saints. And then at their funeral, one of our saved brethren say, were they, were they saved? No, they were Catholics. Ah, you know where they are now, that's too bad. And so if this was true, this doctrine, if this was true, then wow, what a relief that would be for a lot of people. So the fact of the matter is this, okay, this is what I believe. I believe that the gospel that saves today is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and it's the only way you can be saved. There is no other, there is no method, other method of salvation. If you're not saved this way, in this life, you're not saved, okay? That's what I believe, just to remove a lot of speculation of what people are thinking. But as far as universal reconciliations, re reconciliationists, this is not something that I have ever said. I've not said what they're saying. I've never said that from my pulpit. I've never talked about anything like this from this pulpit. All I'm doing is I'm showing you what they say. That's what I'm doing at, at this juncture, in this process, and the reason I'm showing you is because they say that there are verses in the Bible that we don't believe, that we deny. We deny them. And so not only am I putting them on trial, but they also put us on trial. And they accuse us of not believing the Word of God. So that's why I'm going to show you these verses today. And then you have to ask yourself, is it true that we don't believe these verses? Is that true? Because the final analysis of your faith is the word of God. It's the word of God. What saith the scripture? Not what saith man, the scripture says. What say of the scripture? And those people who've known me for years know this is my final authority. Not man. We all know I've left everything I've ever known that has to do with men. And now that's the only thing. So what I want to know, is it true that we don't believe the verses they're saying we don't believe? Is that true? Because if it's true, Maybe some people need to begin re-examining what they're understanding about the Bible. So let me show you some verses that they say we don't believe. We're going to begin with Acts chapter 3. Peter's speaking to the leaders of Israel. And he says, Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. 
and he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive. That was the ascension of Christ after his 40-day stay after the cross. And they in Acts chapter 1, they saw him ascend into heaven. So whom the heaven must receive, how long? Until the times of restitution of all things, which God hath spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. So the question is, what does the word restitution mean? You can look this up in any dictionary. Restitution means the restoration of something that was lost or stolen, returned to its proper owner. That's what the word restitution means. So they ask this question, did Satan steal Adam and Eve from God? Yes or no? The answer is yes. Adam stole them. He deceived them. Man today is stolen property. Right? Now, we're not. We're, no, we're reconciled to God. We're not. But mankind at large is stolen property. So according to them, the law of restitution of all things is the law of restoring and returning back to its owner that which was stolen. For 6,000 men, 6,000 years, man is stolen property. Did it ever occur to you that a fallen creature, a fallen creature deceived God's creation? A fallen, weak creature. Like in Isaiah 14, when Isaiah is talking about the, the fall of Lucifer, and then there's a verse that says that the nations will look at it, is that the one who deceived all the nations? Him? That weak little creature? He did that? Yeah, him. Yeah, him. He's the one that deceived everything. Did it ever occur to you that God watched the whole thing happen? Did it ever occur to you that when God created Lucifer as the most beautiful angel in all of, full of wisdom and it, it tab, it, the tabrets were in you and every stone and you were the angel, the cherub that covered it. What a being he was. Did, did you ever think that when he was lifted up with pride, did you think that God said, Oh, man, I can't believe he just did that. Is God omniscient? Is God all-knowing? Did God create him? Did God know he was going to do that? Oh, yes, he did. And he did it anyway. So when God created man and Satan deceived them, did God know that was going to happen? And he did it anyway. Have you ever thought of why? I promise you this. You don't understand why. You know why? Because there are things in our Bibles that we don't understand. There are things in our Bible that we don't understand. And in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be talking and explaining the fall of Satan and actually what did happen. That's going to be me talking, not them. That's going to be me talking. We're going to understand something about this that we've never understood in our life. And I never heard a preacher talk on this in my life of why God allowed this to happen. And nothing has taken God by surprise. And he allowed it. Not only did he allow it, he created it. God said in Isaiah, he created the waster. That's Satan. God said, I create light, I create darkness, I create evil. I created it. Now, this is a concept that people, what? God created it? Yeah, that's what Isaiah, that's what Isaiah said. God did that. And we don't understand why. 
Well, I promise you, you're going to understand it. I'm not, it's not the subject today. It's not my subject today, but you will understand it, but it's coming up. That subject is important. But according to them, man is stolen property right now. All the people in your world that you know who are not saved are stolen property. Okay? Now, that's just a fact of life. Now, we'll look at another verse that they say we don't believe. And this is a verse that we dispensationalists, we love, love, love this verse. We love this verse. I'm talking about Ephesians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times. Now, this is one of our favorite verses. When time is complete, when time is no more, okay, we talk about dispensations. And rightfully, they're in the Bible. They're called eons. They're called ages. Your Bible is separated into ages. Every age is different from another age. Every age has a beginning. Every age has an end. That's in your Bible. We're going to look at that. But we love this. Ephesians 1.10, that's one of our favorite verses. But his will, God has revealed his will to us. Why? Okay, the fullness of time, that in the fullness of times, he might gather together in one, all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, according to them, they say, we do not believe. Verse 10, where Paul says, all things. The question they ask about verse 10 is, how can God gather all things together in Christ while billions of people remain separated from him in hell. How can that happen? I don't have the answer to that question, do you? Do you have the answer to that question? If this verse is true, that he's going to gather together in one all things, all, not some things, all things. What could that possibly mean? They say that there are things we don't understand about this verse. They link this verse up with Colossians 1.20, and, and having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Now, those who have listened to this ministry for a long time know that reconciliation means to restore to the original state of being. The way God created Adam in the Garden of Eden before he fell is the way that I've always presented it as that's how we're going to be reconciled. We're going to be restored to that. The only difference is. Adam lost what he had. We can never lose what we have. That's the biggest difference between Adam and us. But the way he was in that creation, in that garden, with his bride, with a tree, by a river, this verse says, according to them, they say, we don't believe this verse. They say, we don't believe this. They say, we don't believe that he, by him, reconciling all things to himself. They say, we say, no, he's only reconciling some things. And of course, the question they ask here is, how can, you, how can the Bible say, by him to reconcile all things, while billions of people are not going to be reconciled to him. They're going to be burning in hell for all of eternity. So that's a question. I don't have the answer. Do you have the answer to why 
This verse says all things. Here's another verse. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. They say we don't believe, verse 10. I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. They say we don't believe that. But we don't believe that it's to all people. We only believe that it's to some people. In verse 11, they say we don't believe that he's the Savior of all people. They say we say that he's only the Savior to some people. Now, I told you I'm sharing with you verses. They say we don't believe. Remember when Jesus Christ went through Samaria in John chapter 4 and he, went, he arrived at the well and this woman who had been married five times came up to him and they had this conversation. After that conversation, she ran off and she went to the city and told the people of the city what had happened and who she had seen. And the Bible said, and many of the Samaritans of the city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testified, he told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. Now, there's a lot of talking that can happen in two days. When John, at the end of his gospel, says, there's so many things he did that I, there's not even room to write. We don't know what happened there. Two days. That's a long time. You come to my house and visit me in the morning by noon, I'll be saying, okay, I got to get back to work. Got to get back to what I got to do. But, and the Bible goes on, and many more believed because of his own word and said unto the woman, now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. They say we don't believe that verse. We don't believe Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. No, he's not the Savior of the world. They say we only believe he's the Savior of some people. Do they have reasons to, to say that? They also say that we don't believe that God is omnipotent. God's omnipotence is that he's all-powerful. They say, we don't believe that. Of course, they use numbers. Like I often use numbers. There's 7 billion people on the earth right now. How many of them are saved? How many of the people in your life are saved? All of them? I would say 99% of them are not saved. Think of all the people from Adam until today, billions upon billions of people. How many are saved? Not many are saved. According to some estimates, 99% of all humanity are not saved throughout all history. God told Israel when he called them back in Deuteronomy, he said, I didn't choose you because you were a great people. I chose you because you were the least. You are small people. Then all the nations of the world, all the nations of the world knew nothing about God. Nothing. Their stolen property, gone. God's creation in his own image after his own likeness, knowing nothing about God. How many people in your world are saved? Think about your parents, your brothers, your sisters, your cousins. Think about the people you work with, the friends that people have in their baseball league. A lot of Christians are in baseball leagues. 
basketball leagues, softball leagues, bowling leagues. Some ladies are in your craft clubs and in your sewing clubs and in your, your artist club, your painting clubs. And how is it that you're the only one in that club who's a believer? How is that? Sure, every once in a while, there's a, you meet somebody else who's, oh, yeah, you're a believer, yeah. But then the rest. I used to be in a chess club years ago. I was the only person saved. And they're not interested. They're not interested. They don't want to know. But if 99% of the people in this world are not saved, and that's according to our preaching, Satan is going to have more people in hell than the omnipotent creator, almighty God, is going to have in his heaven. You ever think about that? Let me tell you, that is a very sad commentary on our view of the omnipotent God and on our preaching of God. And it's even worse than that because our beloved brother who sang that song, he's known as the DBR police. He's known as the death, burial, and resurrection police. And when he listens to preachers, he wants to hear that gospel. And if they don't preach that gospel of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, he will go as far as say they're not saved. Ask Jesus in your heart is not in the Bible. Come forward, say a prayer is not in the Bible. Trust Christ is a very popular one amongst dispensational preachers. Trust Christ. Trust them for what? Trust them that I'll have gas in my car next week? Trust them that I'm going to have food? Trust. What do you mean trust them? Trust. What do you want me to trust? No, it's believe that Jesus Christ died, that he was buried, and that he rose from the dead, and you believe that it's through faith, and that's the gospel that saves today. This is what he believes. This is what I preach, that salvation is by grace through faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and there is no other means of salvation for any man or any woman in this life. It doesn't exist. According to Brother Larry, that just reduced the number of people who are saved because you may have been in your club and you have been, may have met somebody in your club. And you find out, yeah, yeah, they're a believer. Then you find out where they go to church. And you know that in that church, they're not preaching this. No, they're preaching this. <laughs> All works and feelings and you have to do things and you have to do and you have to do so that you can be accepted by God. You know what that means? That means that according to the gospel of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, there are only a handful of people who will be in heaven and the rest will be in hell. So Satan looks like he's more powerful than God. Doesn't that what that looks like to you? It's what it looks like to me. We know he's not. But if Satan has more people in eternity than God has in eternity and God created them in his own image, think about that. That means God's image is burning in hell. That's pretty serious stuff. According to Christendom, that's the message we've been preaching it's the message I've always preached. You don't believe this, you're going to hell, yeah? And then I start thinking, wow, that's over 99% of humanity is going to be in hell and this little handful of people are going to be in heaven. Who wins? We all, you hear some people talk about this sometimes. There's a battle between good and evil. Let me tell you something. There is no battle between good and evil. 
There is no battle between an omnipotent God and a frail, weak, created being like Satan. There's no battle. Everything that's happening in this world right now is according to the plan and the purpose of Almighty God, and he's working all things exactly the way they're supposed to be. Nothing has caught God by surprise. Nothing. Don't even think that. So they say, we don't believe this verse, John 4, 14. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. They say, we don't believe that. They tell it, we don't believe that. They point at us. They say, you don't believe that verse. We say he's not the Savior of the world. He's the Savior of some people. That's what we say. This verse is not saying he's the savior of some people if they believe he's the savior of the world. Now, there, I'm going to go back to this just to show you this. You have, to be, you have to believe. You have to be saved through faith today, okay? Just always remember, this is, I will never stop preaching this. This is the message, okay? I'm showing you verses they say we don't believe. They say we don't believe he's the savior of the world. They say we do believe this verse, 1 John 4.10, herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And they say, of course you believe that. It has to do with Israel. Paul's talking, John here is talking about Israel. Our sin. This is written to those Jews in the tribulation period. So they say, of course you believe that because that limits the propitiation for our sins to them. But then they say, but you don't believe this verse. 1 John 2, 2, and he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. They say, hey, we don't believe that. No, you don't believe he's a propitiation for the sins of the whole world. No, you don't. They say we don't believe this verse, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. What's that? Who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. God's will is to have all men to be saved. So basically, our attitude is, yeah, sure, it's God's will. But you know why that can't happen? You know why that can't happen? Because when God created man, Satan deceived man. And when that happened, God threw up his arms and said, what have you done? You just ruined everything. I just I had a plan for them. My plan was to fellowship with them and have people that would enjoy me and that I would enjoy them. And look what you just did. Now I'm going to have to send them to your hell for all of eternity. I can't believe you just did that to me. You think that's what God did? You just ruined the most beautiful relationship that I had planned for my creation. You just stopped my plan in its tracks. And that was stopped by one of God's own created beings. And you know what? That is exactly how Christendom presents the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden. That's exactly how it's presented. We have given more power to Satan than we have to God. So this fall of man is a subject that we really need to examine in the light of Scripture, in the light of God's omniscience, in the light of God's omnipotence. We need to examine it and see what the Bible has to say about this so that we can come to an understanding. Coming, I mean, let's face it, is Satan more powerful than God? Everyone will say, no, of course not. But we don't preach it like that. 
They say that according to the way we present the end results of this, this battle between God and Satan wins. 99% of God's creation burning in, in hell in eternal conscious torment, Satan has won the battle. God loses. Satan wins. They also say we don't believe this verse. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. What they say, see, this is what we focus on, especially of those that believe. See, it's those that believe. Then they're going to come back and say, look at the verse more closely and look at what it does not say. It does not say who is the savior of all men, only of those who believe. It doesn't say that. It says especially of those who believe. That's what they'll say. So they say, we don't believe he's the savior of all men. Especially those who believe is very important to us because that's the teaching of my, 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 Paul teaches that through faith. But they say there's something about this verse we don't understand about something that's going to happen later, which we can't talk about today. I'm sorry, but we can't talk about it. But I do want to share with you their views about that because that's also interesting the way they look at this. But they also say we do not believe these verses. Romans chapter 5, verse 17. For if by one man's offense, death reigned, that's Adam, his offense in the garden, he sinned. Verse 12 of this says by Adam, death came by one man's sin entered, death entered, right? So for by one man's offense, that's Adam, death reigned, death reigns. Everybody dies, right? It's appointed unto man once to die. Much more, they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, or in light of what I just said, is what therefore means. When you see therefore, like you've heard this before, look what it's there for. It's amplifying what came before it. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. What's that judgment? Death. And the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Genesis chapter 5. And he died, 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 and he died. The wages of sin is death. The punishment of sin is death. That's what the punishment of sin is. It's death. We'll talk more about death in another time because they say we don't understand death. We don't understand death because we don't understand the makeup of man. And I partly believe it. But notice, okay, therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon, the judgment is death, came upon all men to condemnation. That's the judgment, death. Every believer knows and understands that the fall of Adam brought condemnation upon all men. In other words, the fall of Adam affected every living person after him Every single one of his descendants, we are all descendants of Adam and Eve. And again, I'm going to say that there's a part of the fall of Adam that we do not understand. 
And I have never preached on the fall of Adam like I am going to in the next couple of weeks. Never have I presented this concept like this in my life. You will be excited to understand this. You will be excited. But the fact is that the first part of verse 18, Adam ruined the whole human race. He ruined the whole human race. Okay, and they say, we believe the first part of that verse. We absolutely believe all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and Adam brought that upon us. They say, we believe the first part. But they say, you don't believe the second part of that verse, which says, even so, or in like manner, or just like Adam caused everybody in, the, in, in, his cre in creation, Adam caused everybody in creation to have this judgment of sin upon them, even so, by the righteousness of one, that's Jesus Christ, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. They say we do not believe that the free gift of justification came upon all men because we preach it only came upon a few men. And Paul begins verse 19 with the word for. For is a word of explanation and amplification of what came before. That's what the word for, you look at therefore, then you see for, as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. Many were made sinners? How many? All, all people is many, isn't it? How many were made sinners? All were made sinners. So the many, in verse 19, responds to the all in verse 18, right? Not trying to make this say something it's not saying, okay? They're not trying to make this say something it's not saying either. So we know all were made sinners, for all have sinned. So in the context, many were made sinners means that all people are many people. Because if you've got all people, you've got many people, right? So, by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Do we change the context of that many? No, we keep it the way it is. It's all. They say we don't believe that. They say, we, they say that we say that cannot be true. That by the obedience of Jesus Christ, like the disobedience of Adam brought ruin, the obedience of Jesus Christ brought the remedy. They say we don't believe that the work of Jesus Christ completely fixed the problem. And that all, many, shall be made righteous. They say we also don't believe, first I wanted to say, this is what I believe. This is how you're saved today. There's no other way of salvation. There's no other way. Okay? I just want to put that in here. There's nothing else. I will always preach this. As long as my mind is healthy, and as long as my body can stand in this pulpit, or wherever our pulpit's going to be, I think it's going to be changing place pretty soon. But as long as there's breath in my body that I can preach, I'm going to be preaching salvation by grace through faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ to everybody who wants to know, everybody who wants to hear, and sometimes even those who don't want to hear. Okay? That's who I am. This is me right here. So I'm just going to put up some more verses now that they say, we don't believe. I'm not even going to comment on them. I might make a comment here or there, but I'm not, my goal is not to preach every one of these verses. Genesis 12, 3. And I will bless them that bless thee, 
and curse him that curseth thee. In other words, this curse is the same curse as Deuteronomy. The first half of Deuteronomy, I will bless them in the field, bless them coming in, going out, blessed shall be this, blessed shall be the fruit of thy basket, blessed shall be this. Then the last part is, if ye will not obey the voice of the Lord thy God, curse shall be thy fruit, curse shall be thy basket. That's the extent of that curse right there, okay? And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. They say, we don't believe that verse. We don't believe that all families of the earth will be blessed. They say, we don't believe that. Psalm twenty-two, twenty-seven: all the ends of the, of the world shall remember and turn unto the Lord. And all the kindreds of the nations shall worship before thee. They say, we don't believe that. We don't believe all nations are going to. Psalm, one, Psalm 103, verse 8, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. I'm going to read verse 10 again. I realize this verse is about Israel. I absolutely realize that. I absolutely understand that. I also know something else about the Bible. God is no respecter of persons. Right? Is he? Is God a respecter of persons? No, he's not. Verse 10, he hath not dealt with us after our sins, because God remembers our frame that we are but dust. That's all we are. Stolen creatures from our maker is what we are. Nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. Now they will launch here after, they will launch into a, a barrage of verses on the mercy of God that endures to every generation, on and on. There's a lot of those verses. They're going to go into that, but I'm not doing that. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 2. And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow into it. They say, we don't believe that. We don't believe all nations are going to flow into it. Luke 3, 5, every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be brought low and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways shall be made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. They say, we don't believe that. We don't believe the words on the page is what they say about us. Because we say, no, all flesh not going to see the salvation of God. No, that's what we say. You know why they say we say these things? Because they say we don't understand the word wrath in the King James Bible. They say we don't understand the word judgment in the King James Bible. They say we don't understand the word hell in the King James Bible. And they say we don't understand the word ages or eons in the King James Bible. That's what they say about it. They say, that's why you don't understand these verses because you don't understand those words. You don't know what wrath means. You don't even know what judgment means. I'll give you a hint right now. God's judgment is God making things. God's that's what God's judgment is. There's a verse in the Psalm that says, God will judge the righteous. What? Judge the righteous? What's he going to judge the righteous for? Well, the word judge in most places in your King James Bible means he's going to make things right. Just like that verse says, every valley, every mountain, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough way shall be made. That's the judgment of God. See, we have a completely different view, which came from Augustine. 
and from the Catholics of all this stuff that we've learned when we've believed and we bought into and we did it. Look at this verse. They say, we don't believe this. The next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. They say, we don't believe that. We don't believe that Jesus Christ came and took away the sin of the world. Are people still sinners? I got news for you. Not only the world are sinners, but you are still sinners. Okay? You still are sinners. Thank God he's not, you know, that we're forgiven all trespasses in Christ. That's why I need to preach this gospel of salvation because what a great blessing it is to know you're forgiven by Almighty God. What a great blessing to have peace with God. What a great blessing that is. They say we don't believe this. And said unto the woman, now we believe because of thy saying. We looked at this verse a while ago. For we have heard him ourselves. And we know that this is indeed the Christ. The Savior of the world. And look what Jesus Christ himself said. They say, we don't believe. We don't believe the next verse. I'm going to, we don't believe it. We don't believe it. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. We don't believe that. We don't believe it. We don't believe it. And it's true. We don't believe this. We looked at this verse a while ago and having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself by him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. He said, we don't believe he reconciled all things. We don't even believe this great verse that we quote all the time. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. What did he do? Who gave himself a ransom for all. We don't believe that. We do not believe that. To be testified in due time. For to this end, Christ both died and rose and revived that in order that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. How many people are dead right now? Billions upon billions are in their graves. Death took them. Why? The wages of sin is death. You know what we add to that? We add to that something that's not even in the Bible. What do we add to that verse? When we say the wages of sin is death, what do we add to that? Anybody know? Huh? Death means eternal separation from God in the lake of fire and eternal conscious torment. That's what we add to that word. It just said the wages of sin is death. You don't think death is a penalty? You don't think the fact that you are not living forever the way God created Adam to live forever? You don't think that's a penalty? That is a penalty. All men experience that. Now, there are more verses. There are more verses that they say we don't believe. A lot of them. We're running out of time. Here's what I know. Here's what I know. I don't know about all the things that go on after this life. I don't know. I know this in this life, that when you meet somebody who's not saved, and if they're willing to listen to you, because not everybody's willing to listen anymore. People have been brainwashed, especially these last 30 years, these government-controlled schools. They've been brainwashed into disbelieving in God, and they believe in atheism. They believe that there's no morality. They believe that they might be trapped in the wrong body and they're changing who they are. They're trying to change who they are. They can't change their DNA, but they're trying to change who they are and they're totally deceived. It's not easy today to talk to somebody about the gospel of salvation by grace through faith. It's not. But when you find somebody who wants to talk about it, this is the gospel. 
This is the gospel whereby they can enjoy the forgiveness of sins and peace with God and peace in this world and knowing they're secure. That's the most important thing, ladies and gentlemen. That's why I will never, ever stop preaching this, ever, in my entire life. I can't, it, it, this is Paul's gospel. This is what we're supposed to do. And then we need to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which hath been hid in God. That's what we're supposed to be helping people understand. Amen? So this is what I'm going to close today by saying that if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, today is the day that it can happen. These were given to show you that you cannot keep them, that you are a sinner and you need a Savior. That's why these were given. And that's the only reason Ten Commandments were given. But this is what God gave. God gave his son and he died and he was buried and he rose again. And that is the only way to be saved in this life. Amen. If you don't know Jesus Christ as, as your savior, just believe this and God will forgive you. And yes, it is that simple. It is that simple. And there's nothing else you can do, and there's nothing you can offer God in exchange for the free gift of eternal life. There's nothing you can do and nothing you can offer God. Amen. Amen. Folks online, remember you're blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, that there's nothing else, that in Christ you have everything God has for you. You don't need to seek anything else. Amen. Hopefully we'll see you next week and we'll be talking about some heavy stuff again. Take care.